0: So welcome to Two Crees in a Pod. We are on season four, episode six. And today we have Priscilla McGilvery from Sally Cree Nation who is joining us. Uh, Priscilla is married to Leo McGilvery, and they have three children and four grandchildren. Leo and Priscilla are known for their singing of drum and rattle songs and they work to do, they do the work that they do in understanding intergenerational trauma and reclaiming indigenous teachings. Uh, Priscilla also has obtained her master's degree in counseling psychology and she is currently an instructor with Blue Quills where she teaches courses in family life cycle, family systems, interpersonal communication, counseling and psychology. So welcome Priscilla, we are so excited to have you join us. I know that um, I've taken courses with Priscilla at Blue Quills many years ago um, and always admired um, the work that you do in our communities uh, in in the classrooms. And so I'm excited. I know our communities are excited to have you join us today. Uh, and I'll tell a story, actually, before we start, um, <laughs> about how we got Priscilla here. <laughs> and so um, at the beginning of September Uh, uh, Priscilla was checking in on me I recently lost somebody uh, in my life and uh, she invited me to come out to Blue Quills they were they were doing a land-based orientation that following day and she said just come out come out and and sit with us and and just hear the songs and be out on the land and so I did I, I took the day off and out I went the next day to Blue Quills and and uh, at the very end of the day, it was a beautiful day. It was a very beautiful day. It was definitely a place I needed to be. Um, Leo and Priscilla, you know, sang a song uh, to honor the person who I lost, uh, Late Roxanne Tatousis, and it was it was really beautiful. But at the end, there was this game. And I don't even know what the game, game is called, but it was some kind of, uh, you had to have a gift. And I was sitting beside Priscilla, and as we're going around this big circle, you had to, uh, you had to go and you had to go to the mic and talk about this, what you brought, but you have to like really talk. It could be, you know, it could be a bottle of water and you have to talk about how this amazing water is like the best, the one of a kind water in, in this country or whatever. You have to tell a story. And, uh, and so I had brought, I, I wasn't prepared, but I had a two crease and a pod hoodie in in my trunk and I went and got it. And, um, I went and bartered that with her when she brought up her gift. And I said, you know, if you if you uh take this hoodie, you'll also get a recording on two crease in a pod So <laughs> she took my gift. We were able to exchange gifts that day. So um I'm just yeah, I wanted to share that story. And I still have my my shawl, my beautiful shawl that I got from her too. So welcome, Priscilla. I'm gonna give you this opportunity to uh just share with our listeners a little bit about who you are.
1: Oh, okay. Thank you. Um, yes, so I'm glad you brought that introduction of how I got to be here today. <laughs> and that was a really fun, a really fun game. Uh, you really had to barter your gifts. It was funny. It was so funny. A lot of laughter. <laughs> So a little bit about me is um, also recognizing, you know, uh, a lot of people associate me with my husband. It's Leo and Priscilla, Leo and Priscilla. so're like a, we're like two prix in the pod. <laughs> 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 and um, just for me to be um, separate from that is also good. It's also good it's also a good medicine in mm-hmm. relationship to be your own individual self. And, um, being mindful of that for me, it, you know, it it reminded me of, okay, well, who am I, you know, uh, without, or just being an individual in my relationship. And that's been my ongoing, um, journey too, in, um, gaining my strength and who I am. So, And I would ask myself, okay, well, who am I, you know, before. And I remember one day sitting at West Edmonton Mall with my daughter. She was, uh, she's 24 now. She was probably like eight years old and I'm sitting there and she's in that play area playing. And it just dawned on me that one day sitting there and I thought, well, Priscilla, well, you know what? I have my own identity. I have my own family, i have my i didn't associate myself to my maiden name so um it was like a realization for me of connecting with with me mm-hmm. so it guided me uh more closer to my own family like my my parents my brothers and sisters uh my nieces and nephews and connecting to my maiden name connecting to my mother's energy, right? Mm-hmm. And later on, I found that teaching of the, the Nitsi, the Utsi, right? Their the connection, that biblical core connection to our mother, mm-hmm. right? And, but it, I just remember sitting there at West Edmonton Mall with my daughter playing and I just realized, okay, well, I just I just felt it, it was like this aha uh-huh moment, just, it, they happen anywhere, right? Yeah. So recognizing, okay, my mom, my mom and my dad, I come from Edwin Quinney. My dad, my mom is Irene, her maiden name was um Cardinal, my Kukum was a Bruno, and connecting to that because I grew up more with my Quinney family, my dad's side. But also my mom always made sure to keep us connected to her side of the family, because I remember she'd bring us visiting um, relatives from her side of the family, so I'm glad she did that too, mm-hmm. and realizing um, that I need to put energy also into connecting with my my family, so visiting them more and just being with them and um being proud too that my my line. Even from my dad's side, my dad was a, was a musician. He died six years ago, and he was a drifting cowboy. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, there was a band called the Drifting Cowboys, and they were pretty popular back in the <laughs> 80s. <laughs> and uh, I just remember being a, a young girl, my dad would bring us out to dances, but so mm-hmm. he was strict. He would make sure where he was playing, he he had his eyes right on us because we weren't allowed to back in the day we had the band hall the bathrooms were outside so if we had to go to the bathroom we had to go with my auntie right then i'd see all these people in the back by the door like having fun they're (laughs) only teenagers i want to be there too but no my dad was like no take her take her to the washroom make sure she comes right back you stay with her But I'm glad I, I just today, too, I was talking with my daughter about, you know, back in the day about relationships, you know, community relationships, updating her mm-hmm. on family, who she's related to. And um, then I remembered uh, just feeling grateful. And, you know what, I'm actually glad my dad was really strict with us mm-hmm. With me, I was the oldest, and I have two sisters and um, two brothers. And my brother, one of my brothers passed away. It'll be a year ago. Mm-hmm. But um, he kept, I'm really grateful he was strict with us today. Because, you know, when I think of it now, back in the day, he probably saved us from a lot of uh, fights. <laughs> Scraps. <laughs> Scraps. <laughs> You know, those type of things that were happening back in the day and, you know, um, being a young girl, uh, going to party and stuff, you know, I didn't, he he really protected us. So I'm grateful for that today. So just thinking about uh, my connection, just really feeling connected now and I'm in, in my early 50s now and. I'm feeling that now when I didn't really connect with that all these years. Mm-hmm. But then I realized why it's because some of that intergenerational trauma came in and, um, being from a, you know, closed family system, like that's, a, that's the a Muniao term, but a closed family environment where, you know, it's like you're all living under the same roof, but nobody's really connected emotionally. Mm-hmm. So, but now I feel like, um, Feel more connected mm. now but yeah so a little bit that's a little bit about me um and then I wasn't brought up uh traditionally more of a very fundamental Christian religion and um my Kukum was a very very Christian she'd be sitting at her kitchen table her spot and she had her Magnifying glass, and she'd be reading her Bible, which was in syllabics, which is you know syllabics, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and you know, hearing hearing the messages of our Native way, our Cree way, was not good. You know, grew up in that type of environment, uh, but it was it didn't come from my parents; it came from my grandparents, and I understand why now.
2: Mm-hmm
1: because this because they loved you right they loved me and uh, they wanted to, to teach me the best that they knew mm-hmm. so um so there was a fear around our culture mm-hmm. for me and then um lo and behold i meet a real traditional person leo McGilvery,
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and um yeah and then that's that's a story in itself. That would. <laughs>
0: it's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah, a <no>
1: whole other podcast. <laughs> but anyway, um, I remember, and then we got uh, married, had our boys, and I remember still being in that frame of mind of really colonized beliefs, and. I wouldn't hesitate back then to tell Leo, you know, what you're doing is wrong. What you're doing is bad. Right. Cause that was how I believed and we lived that way for a long time. And I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm glad we're still together because you know, I was very rigid and he was very open. So already there was a different. So, um, and then I remember I went to a circle, And uh, this was after I had my daughter and I went to a circle and we were in this training for about a week and it was on culture and traditional values. And then I was sitting in this circle and this one day and the people in the circle were talking about culture, spirituality and going in depth about Um, The spirituality of uh, our our Nehya ways, talking about the sweat lodge, vision quests, um, you know, the ceremony, sun dances, they're talking. And I, I would get afraid. And then I remember we had a break. And as I came out of the room, I thought, I'm getting out of here. I'm going home. I am not here to listen to this. So I remember calling Leo back in the day when we had pay phones. I put in my quarter. <laughs> I put in my quarter and I'm dialing home and I phone Leo and I say, come and get me. I said, I don't want to stay here anymore. I just want to go home now. And um, he says, you know, how come you want to come home? And I said, well, they're talking about culture. They're talking about spirituality and it's scaring me and I don't want to be here and I remember him saying uh well maybe you're meant to be there and uh you know me and the boys will smudge for you outside here we'll smudge for you and we'll come to you in song I'll come to you in song and there's me like, come to me and song. Like what the, what the hell is that supposed to mean? like
0: <laughs> Come,
1: I said, come get me right now. <laughs> yeah, I said, come get me right now. Or, come to me and song. What the heck? <laughs> so anyways, I hung up. I was like, just come get me. I hung up and <laughs> I went, I was just walking to, um, just going to walk to the room. And one of my, uh, Friends that I met in this group, she was an older lady and um, she wasn't uh, indigenous at all. She wasn't native. She was uh, an English woman and she was small and she was in her 50s, but she came from England, but she was living in Alberta and she had the English accent, but really kind, gentle, Mm -hmm. gentle, gentle woman. And she says, Priscilla, what is wrong? and uh, she goes, come here, let's go talk, you know, so I went, and I'm sitting there, she says, what's going on, Priscilla, and I was telling her, I don't want to go back in there, We're talking about Native stuff, I don't want to hear about it, and scaring me, she said, oh, and she was just very patient, she's just nodding her head, oh, okay, mm-hmm. and she says, you know what, Priscilla, she goes, look at i want to ask you, look at that picture on the dresser there on the top of your drawer, she says. The one your Leo told you, asked you to bring with you here. You have it there on your drawer. And I remember before I went out to this training, Leo had given me this. um, He must have taken it out of a magazine because it was, uh, you know how black and white photos when they're put in a magazine, they look kind of brownish. So it was an old photo of... Some native people standing in front of a teepee. It was like a family, and you could tell it was really old because the they were wearing the old, mm-hmm. the old ways they were dressed. And I said, "Yeah, I see that picture." And she says, and she just nods. She goes really quiet. And she says, "They're waiting to come through now." And I'm like, mm-hmm. "Okay." She goes, they've been waiting for you all this time. She said, all they're waiting was for you to open your heart Mm -hmm. and let them in. They would never, ever scare you. She says, they've always been with you, but they're just waiting for you.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. And and I thought, okay. And it's just kind of like, okay, kind of something happened Mm -hmm. within me. It's like. and then i started asking her you know she said they'll come to you when you open your heart and they'll come to you in their own way and you'll know when they come because these are your ancestors these are the people who love these are the the people that their ancestor they come from love unconditional love she says and i said okay and um So I went back into the room after and the people in our group, we were uh, part of our learning was to go out and help build a sweat lodge. So I went outside and helped build, you know, the sweat lodge. It was a beautiful day. It was like in May Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and the sun was out. And I remember before I got there that earlier that week, we were told like, just to be very respectful when we're outside because there was a fast going on in the back, way in the back. So I remember helping with the sweat and I took a break. So I kind of sat down on the ground and was just sitting there watching the others. And then I'm sitting there and then all of a sudden I hear this drumming, like this faint drumming in the background. So I'm listening, I could hear this drumming, wondering where's this coming from? And just so I listened and listened, and then I could hear a voice singing. So it's like a woman singing. So I'm listening, and then I remember what Leo said. He said, I'm gonna come to you in song, mm. and that's what came to me. When I, and I thought, Leo said he's gonna come to me in song. What do I hear? I hear drumming, I hear singing. And I was just like, whoa. Mm-hmm. And then my friend, the, uh, the older lady, her name, is, uh, her name is Maria. She comes to me and she's smiling. She goes, I see your smile. She goes, I see what's going on. And I said, you know what? Leo said he was going to come to me in song. What do I hear? And she was listening. And she just nodded her head. I said, is that what it's like? Is that how it is? Mm-hmm. She said, if it feels good and that's how it is. And I'm like, "Wow, is that what it feels like? Like it was like my first experience with connecting to my spirituality, which I never I didn't experience before." And it was so amazing, and then after that I started having more and more experiences like that of connecting and um noticing when um, spirit our ancestors, our grandmothers, grandfathers or, or the messengers and when they come in, and I know it's a message or I know uh, I know they're there whereas before I didn't so it was very powerful um, trans, I guess uh, tra- transformation in my life because when I came home from that place I came home a different woman. Mm -hmm. I came home a different mom, Mm -hmm. a different wife, right? I I I came home different. Mm -hmm. And I was so thankful and grateful that all these years, Leo brought culture in our home. He brought the smudging, he brought the drumming, he brought the singing, every day. You know, and he taught our boys that and so I was very grateful afterwards. And um it just changed the way I, I I I walked my life after that. And it's been a learning journey since then, connecting and really feeling and yeah, listening to the messages that came my way and um I got stronger as a as a woman, as a person, I got more, became more confident. I became more confident in, in uh, speaking, then learning more about skills and communicating helped me speak more, um, I guess, more respectful than angry. Because when I was angry, I didn't know how to speak the right way. Right. I didn't, when I wanted to speak in a good way, I didn't know how yet Mm because um i learned a different way so learning to speak even being more mindful of how to speak and how to treat myself and treat others came came along that path and it still is but um yeah it really uh it was a beautiful experience and it's been a beautiful experience ever since then yeah And every day is like a beautiful experience with, you know, when the messages come or when I get connected to my spirit. It's amazing. Even just today talking with my daughter, we're talking about dreams and she was talking about a dream and, you know, um, and knowing that I, you know, I don't interpret dreams. That's not my place. It's the dreamers. And just allowing her and using the questions to help, her unfold, her own message in the dream. And it was a very spiritual process because our dreams are very spiritual, right? So yes. it was just being that presence of spirituality is just beautiful. Mm-hmm. And when you can share that with your children, it's it's beautiful because you want, you know, we want our children to connect that way so they can be confident and strong, right? Mm-hmm. And, and our ancestors help. Mm-hmm. And also knowing... Um, that in every experience we have, if it's good or bad, those traumatic experiences or those negative experiences, that we've always carried medicines with us. The, our medicines are always there. Sometimes we we may forget that, or we don't know that until we're reminded that um, we have medicines that keep us going. Right. So, yeah, that's kind of a long-winded introduction. <laughs> that's a no, little bit about me.
3: It's good. It's good. And, and I know we're going to hear um, more uh, about you, Priscilla. And Terry um, told a Priscilla story, and I have one, too. Um, I have many Priscilla stories, uh, but this one is something that I've I've... I've kept very close to me, um, throughout, uh, when I heard it. And then for the rest of those days, and I had, um, so Priscilla has been, uh, part of my, uh, loss and grief processes on many accounts in my mm-hmm. life. And there was one specific loss that I experienced. Um, it'd be 16 years ago. And, um, for for years, I'd never spoke about this loss and uh, it came time that, uh, that I did. And so I went to the people that I trusted and it was Leo and Priscilla. And uh, we sat together and uh, we had ceremony and we were talking about this loss and they were, you know, with me in that space. And uh, I'll never forget, I was sitting there and And there was a lot of things that were said. And I said to them repeatedly, I'm trying to be a good person. And uh, Priscilla grabbed my hand and she said, no, you are a good person. And I'll never forget that. I will never forget how validating that was and how something shifted in me that day when I was validated uh, in that way from, from Priscilla. And so... You know, when you, when you share your story about uh, the little English lady that was kind to you and mm-hmm. demonstrated that love, um, that's who you've been uh, to people like me and Terry. And, and, and right when you were telling that story, I thought about how you've been with me uh, and, and Terry and many, many, many others um, during times where we've needed some of that really um, just that compassion and empathy and how that's been life altering in a really beautiful way. And so thank you for providing that space um, and being that woman who was with you in those moments for people like me and Terry. And uh, in keeping with that, you know, I, I think about, you know, how Terry was saying in the beginning, about how you know you were you invited her out uh, when she had experienced a great loss recently, and I think that one of the things that Terry and I are curious about, um, just because of our our own losses that we've had, um, you know, my dad passed away on May fourth, and uh, and it's been a roller coaster of um, so many things, and um, and I think. You know, Terry and I were joking one day uh, about doing a podcast on numbing out. <laughs> I don't think we were, we were joking. <laughs> we were joking, but we weren't. I said, uh, I said, me and Terry were messaging each other and I said, do you want to come numb out with me, Terry? Because it's... it's disassociate? Yeah, let's just... Let's just eat them. Uh, <laughs> but I think that, I think that one of the things that, and, and, uh, as we were talking before we started recording, one of the things we've recognized in our communities lately is that we've had a lot of loss. We've had a lot of loss in our communities and we're losing people who are ceremonial holders, mm-hmm. people who um, are language keepers, people who, um, and, and not even just our language keepers and our knowledge keepers them too but we're use, losing lots of young people
2: mm-hmm.
3: and um, and I just think about all the loss that we're experiencing and, and it's uh, it's a collective loss um and how we're feeling those losses can be you know felt at a at a very individual spiritual uh, level as well and so part of that I think is is again trying to understand, you know what? Some of the things because we know that you, uh, Priscilla, have been involved again in a lot of other folks' grief and loss processes, and you've been that support person. Mm-hmm. You've been that person, and so we're wanting to know, or we're we're curious about what are some of the things that you have recognized in the work that you've done with our people and and other folks, um, maybe students, etc., that have been beneficial. In their uh, their grieving processes, because mm-hmm. again, grief we think about that word, and um, you know we oftentimes hear about the different stages of grief, and uh, and and that's fa- that's fair, you know that there are there are definitely different cycles of grief, um, but we know it looks different in a AHIO context.
2: Mm-hmm. We
3: know it does, and so what are some of those things that you've recognized are beneficial or helpful for our people? Uh, while in, while really deep into
1: grief. When you say, well, really deep into grief, um, what do you mean by that? Just so I can explain it better. I think what I mean by that, and maybe
3: I'm speaking to my own grief process, is...
1: And I'm going to start to cry. Mm-hmm. And that's okay.
2: It's when
3: you feel heavy, where everything is heavy, your own body, um, your thoughts where everything feels really hard. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think of that as, when I say deep, maybe I'm thinking about how it feels like you can't get out. I think that's what I mean by deep.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm glad you were able to explain that. Yes, and that's a normal part of grief. That deep part is usually that part of the grieving process that is the hardest part, which is going into those, um, those emotions and feeling and also paying attention to body because I, I, I heard you say you can feel the heaviness in your body, right? And that's one of the areas that we tend to uh, forget about is our body, but we speak about it and Mm -hmm. we we sometimes speak about it and we don't even notice it. Mm -hmm. But when we start to notice our felt sense, meaning what is our body saying? And you said heavy. Okay. So when you, when you reach into that heaviness, when you, if you just, you know, when you close your eyes or just tell yourself, what is my body feeling? It feels heavy. Okay. It's heavy what's heavy, what your body tell you, right? What that heaviness is. And you'll usually know what it is. Mm -hmm. It'll come. Mm -hmm. And allowing it to come. And that is part of the healing. Mm -hmm. And we usually go through those deep heaviness, emotional processes in grief. Mm -hmm. And for everybody, it the timing is different. Everybody goes through grief in their own way, right? In their own way. And there's nothing wrong with that. Some may go through it sooner and some may go through it later. But the important part is you go through it, right? And, but to be mindful of going through it and not getting stuck in it. Because when we say, I'll just use your example, Amber, you know, feeling that heaviness and just leaving it and saying, "Okay, I'm not going to deal with this," and just leave it, and just try to focus on other things. You put your mind to other things and, and numb out. Mm-hmm. Um, that heaviness will stay with you until you're ready to you're ready to feel it, bodily and emotionally, spiritually and and mentally. Right. So. Um, asking yourself your body let your body telling you and where did, where where does it feel heavy in your body right it's your arms is it your stomach area is it your heart area right where is it heavy and allowing that your body to your to tell you <laughs> because our body speaks in its own way and uh when we're ready to listen to our body we'll we'll heal and um, the other piece, too, is how much of the grief are you carrying is is yours or is it uh, family grief or is it communal grief, intergenerational grief, ancestral? Mm-hmm. You know, when you feel your felt sense and ask your body these things and feel your emotions, you'll feel, OK, this is more family grief, I'm carrying this grief for my whole family, Mm -hmm. right? And when you feel that and allowing um, yourself to grieve for you and maybe grieve for your family too, Mm -hmm. but they have to do their own grief work in time. Mm -hmm. So it's a process that we all need to go through. It's hard, right? And especially for people who who've just known how to numb out and it's so normal um, is as much as we can giving them that, I guess, um, that space just to let them know, I hear you,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? I hear you. I see you. Um, and letting them know that they have that space to share Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and using teaching moments when you can, if it's in the family, using those teaching moments when you're cooking or when you're sitting at the table or when you're outside or having a smoke with your cousins or your sister or your son or your daughter and having those conversations. Um, So a lot of people will not go to counseling for grief. You know, and Mm -hmm. uh, that's okay. So it's creating those spaces in our lives, in our homes, and in our relationships that our family members can grieve, providing those spaces and that kindness and the compassion that uh, they can feel. Mm -hmm. They can feel, and those waves come any time of the day. They come in waves. They're not going to just come in in the one-hour counseling session. They may come mm-hmm. at 10 o'clock at night, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And teaching, teaching them and teaching one another that those are the waves of grief and that we grieve because we loved. That's why we grieve. Because we're missing that physical aspect of that person if it's a death, right? Mm-hmm. So that deep part you're talking about is that depth of the emotional grief. Mm -hmm. And that pain, right? And that it's okay to feel it. And when I say that, uh, reminding our loved ones that there's a purpose for tears. There's a purpose for feelings. We came on this earth. (laughs) Muy cuenta. i will say muy cuenta because our ancestors... Um, our creator, our grandfathers, grandmothers, Moy cuenta. They knew we we were walking this earth as emotional, spiritual beings, right? And we we need to learn uh, how to walk with that. And when we were first born. What did we come into this world doing? What was the first thing we did when we came out came out of our mother's womb? We cried. We cried, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a purpose for crying Mm -hmm. in our earth walk. There's a reason and there's a purpose. And that's to help heal our heart, our mind, our body, Mm -hmm. right? Our spirit. So it's having to reclaim that gift of crying, that gift of tears, and those teachings around uh, crying, that our culture holds. And it's not those harsh teachings that, oh, you don't cry. Um, you don't cry. Well, stop crying. or Right? Mm-hmm. No, it's, um, it's being, it's more of a mindful way of learning. Our culture teaches about tears. Right? Um, and it, it doesn't say not to cry. It, mm-hmm. it just, it just tells you, how to be mindful, too, of when you're crying that's all it is,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so bringing back those tears uh, and that it's okay to feel is one of the main things of bringing ourselves from that from that depth of grief, and grief is a natural part of our life
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's a natural part of our earth walk, I'll call it because we're walking this earth as human well in the human form, but we're spiritual beings, right. Mm-hmm and um being able to know that death happens in our life and there's a reason for that too because Mm -hmm. through through grief and it could be through it through death or any type of losses loss of relationships right Mm -hmm. loss of um a home or loss of language you know many losses we experience as indigenous people right Mm -hmm. it's um Grief is part of our journey of transforming transformation more deeply into spirit because uh, we start knowing the spiritual component of loss and connecting to that. Mm. And it's part of our journey of connecting more of connecting to our spirit, which is uh, what we're doing on this earth in this human body, right? And they say we're mm-hmm. we're not humans walking this right this earth as a, what what's what's the saying?
2: Uh, but
1: we're spiritual mm-hmm. beings, yeah. right? So it, our journey is connecting to the to our spirit. So these these losses are part of that transformation to connecting mm-hmm. to those to our spirit, and part of that is those mm-hmm. emotions. The emotions yeah. lays that out for us as we as we we gain more strength in our spirituality Mm
0: -hmm. thank you for sharing that i think that um you know also having lost someone um a couple months ago um i think that one of the things that um you know that i've 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 experienced myself that helps me to understand when when sitting with with somebody else in grief, um, is understanding, um, because as human beings we often want to fix things. We want we want somebody to feel better, right? Like we want yes. the people we love to feel better. We want them, you know, and so we try to find the words <laughs> that would make them feel better. Um, and sometimes that's really difficult. And I think about. You know, the times when I've experienced hardship in my life and loss or trauma. And I think about people like, you know, yourself, Priscilla or Amber, who have just sat with me and in and, and just being completely present, but not even saying anything. um, And I, I feel you feel that there's something spiritual about that and that it's like, I don't even need you to say anything. I just need you beside me. And I just need you present with me. And I think that, you know, for for all of us in our communities who are experiencing, you know, we know people. We know people who have passed on. And I think that, you know, just us sitting together and sharing space together, whether that is through song or with lighting medicines and being um, able to connect, um, it helps. It helps. And we don't, and we we sometimes don't, we take that for granted I think and and or we don't even know and I remember you know when I was thinking about that time I went out to Blue Quills and being there um and I remember going up when I first got there and and I went up to uh it was Mary Lee, uh and Leona McCocus, and Darlene Ogier and you were there Priscilla and and Shirley Hunter and and I remember that, that note, the girl, Muriel, you know, just looking at me and just saying, ah, me, and then said something to me in Cree. And I broke down and I felt it. Like, I don't even, I don't even know what she was honestly saying in Cree. It didn't matter. Uh, but just how loving and nurturing she was. And then, you know, just sitting there and not having to say anything around you, woman, um, and I'm going to sit down and listen throughout the day. And, and I remember that Mariel sharing that teaching later about how when we are having hard times that we go and sit with Arnold de We go sit with the old woman in our communities. And because they nurture us and they love us and they have space for us. And I remember feeling that, you know, feeling that love and feeling that connection um, to you all and and how important that is that we 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 stay connected you know in that in in our grief because it's so easy to isolate it's so easy to isolate to step away i've definitely you know struggled with that i i you know in the past you know 6 weeks it's like oh i'm just going to stay home you know and then it's just like this okay Terry let's let's you know get out let's go for a walk i started working out which Um, I'm really sore. (laughs) I haven't worked out all of COVID. (laughs) But like, it's interesting, because you talked about how we store stuff in our bodies. And we know this, whether that is pain, grief, trauma. Um, And after my loss, you know, I, I regularly go for massages, my massages were painful, but not only painful, I've been getting them every week. Every time I have one, there's such strong emotions that I go through afterwards you know whether that's anger or sadness or I'm crying and I feel lonely and so that that manipulation even just of the massages um, is moving stuff in my body and that's so important for us to know too is that we may not consciously know that we're doing that but we need to move it shake it up and um, and so I started working out too and and feeling that too the emotions that that it triggers in me uh, when I move and so you know I think about you know my my role and, and ensuring that I'm uh, staying connected for me you know within within ceremony but also recognizing you know that um, that saying you can't you can't pour from an empty cup. Um, And so trying to ensure that, you know, through my own grief process too, that I'm, 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 I'm filling that cup. (laughs) I'm trying to fill that cup as opposed to, you know, trying to pour from an empty cup. So thank you for Mm -hmm. that.
3: Can I, and I just want to say something, Perry, because you just reminded me of something. And so it, it speaks to that, um, you know, when you were talking about going and sitting with our notical and, and I think that it's interesting, too, because one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot, um, and again, it goes back to what you were saying, Priscilla, about like that reconnection and and uh, connecting back to our spirit. And I I've been taking a look at the roles of our old men
2: mm-hmm.
3: and and our old men um, and how they, too, you know, um, have always demonstrated nurturing our men have always demonstrated nurturing it just looks different Mm -hmm. than than it does with our not and um and I was thinking about uh Terry had organized a uh um an event at McEwen on the first National Day of Truth and Reconciliation and I had hurt my ankle really bad like you know a couple weeks before and I was hobbling around on a boot and uh and I had shown up at this event, and I was um, bringing some coffee to Terry, and uh, and her dad stopped me. And uh, I have a good relationship with uh, Evil. <laughs> me and Evil have me and Evil have a good relationship. Evil Joe, and uh, and and he grabbed me and he hugged me, and he said, "Oh my girl, what did you do to your ankle?" And it was the first time I heard. An older man say my girl to me since my dad passed, and then right after that, Francis Whiskey Jack came and grabbed me and he hugged me. Hi, my girl. How mm. are you today? You know, and and I think about our roles of our old men too, mm-hmm. and and how it was that day where I needed it the most because I was thinking about my dad and I was thinking about uh, like you said that you know familial loss that communal loss and and then here I had these two old men come to me and you know and came right to me and gave me hugs and called me my girl you know and not even they may not have even recognized how important that was you know for me in that moment but to be nurtured by those old men and to be shown love Mm -hmm. you know and care like what happened are you okay you know and and so I think that a lot of our old men too Um, they have those roles as nurturers and uh, sitting with those old men is, is really healing too. So I just wanted to add that uh, when Terry was talking about the roles of our, of our old ladies, but our old men have that real powerful role too.
1: I'm really glad that uh, yes, both the men and women are acknowledged because yes, it's so true. Mm -hmm. Our men do have that, um, do hold a role in that, in that place too. And that's what Leo and I talk about often is, um, you know, we'll talk about our experiences, you know, if we we go to a ceremony or just our regular days if we meet up with people and we talk to them and we could sense, boy, this man is a really kind man, right? You can just sense his energy and, you know, he make, he'll make a good, he's a good Muslim, right? You know, um, and just exactly what you said sometimes, you know, we don't know how we affect Uh, another person right they don't know what they're going through and just being kind is could be healing to the other person you may not even know it right and um, we do have some kind beautiful uh, men out there and we need to empower our men more Mm -hmm. and uh, help them not help them but uh, assist in ways that we can, so they can gather their strength, right? Mm-hmm. Empower them again, connect them to their hearts, right? Because one of our teachings is our, from our mothers and our kukums is um, in to raise gentle men, right? Mm-hmm. One of the teachings is gentleness. And yes, there are protectors, but they walk in that balance of being the protector, meaning it doesn't mean being a powerful, being uh, intimidating, Um, that protector is a kind, gentle protector, still keeping the masculine and the feminine in balance within himself. And, and I remember my dad, um, you know, when I asked myself, it comes to my mind, well, how did I learn to be the way I am? How did I learn to be to be walking in a, like, as a, in a counselor role, if when I talk about it job-wise, how did I end up here in this, in this area? It has to be, come from somewhere. And I remember, um, my dad, you know, even though through his, uh, his manliness, you know, our, our dad's mm-hmm. man, sometimes they're he's men, um, I knew, and I felt his love, and I felt his kindness, and I remember one time I was going through a really hard time. I was a teenager. I was 13, and having conflict with my mom, you know, that mom-daughter thing, and me and my mom got into this argument, and I was in my room, and I remember overhearing my mom on the phone talking to my dad, because my dad was working. He worked away from us. He was working in Heart Lake that time, and It was about 8 o'clock, and she's telling my dad, oh, Priscilla this, Priscilla that, like all me, right? And I'm like, geez, you know, and uh, that, oh, no, my dad's going to come here. He's going to give me heck. He's going to just get mad at me, right? So he came home. He traveled back from Heart Lake, and Heart Lake's not a hop, skip, and a jump. It's Mm -hmm. quite a ways from Sad Lake, so he must have drove home. Cause it was about, I was already in bed and it was probably about midnight, or or eleven twelve, and he, my he comes knocking on my door and I got up, and he opened the light and, and he always called me my girl. Well, my girl, he says, uh, and I thought, oh no, here it comes. <laughs> and he just went on, uh, sat on the chair. There was a chair by my bed, and he sat down. He says, my girl. He says, what's going on? What's happening? Your mom, you and your mom are not getting along. I want to hear from you. What's happening, my girl? Tell me. What a total difference. I am just like thinking, um, who is this and where's my dad? <laughs> where's my real dad? Who are you? My, my dad must have taken some communication classes somewhere in he's screaming. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was it just like, holy, I never heard my dad talk like this because I always remember it, and so that opened the door, and I felt safe because he was calm, and he was speaking mm-hmm. calmly and kindly, that I shared, mm-hmm. and I cried, of course I cried, because you know, not often you heard that kind voice, especially when I was growing up, but to just hearing it, and I was able to talk so I always remember that, and I thought, "Geez, that felt good." Mm-hmm. And then I think a part of me just kept that and remembered that when I'm around other people, maybe that's what they need sometimes. So that's what um, I remember. Mm. Yeah. Thank
0: you for for sharing yeah. that. And um, as we we are wrapping up the podcast, I wanna leave leave it to you priscilla to share um any last words or or anything that you think is important uh, for our listeners to know Mm -hmm. any last words or anything anything that you want to
1: share with
0: with all of us
1: What I'd like to share is um, just being yourself in a way of honouring those times, honouring your mind, body and spirit and um, your emotions, because when we talk about grief or loss or just anything in general, when these emotions come, they'll come in waves Mm -hmm. Um, go through it. Go through it and know you're not alone, right? That's the thing. Always know you're not alone. We may feel we're alone because nobody's physically around us sometimes, or they're, they're physically around you, but you still feel alone, but you're not alone. You're not alone. You have these medicines that you carry and remember those medicines you may not know it but just know and say to yourself what medicines am I carrying right now through this Mm -hmm. hard time and they'll come to you everything in our in our in our life you know is connected to our land and uh the medicines come from our land Mm -hmm. and uh yeah, any experience you're going through, if it's negative, if it's hard sometimes, if you feel it's heavy, just know you're not alone
2: mm-hmm.
1: and know and connect to your medicines. It could be music, right? It could be um, a prayer. It could be a rock, mm-hmm. right? It could be just being outside and feeling the wind, right? The wind is the medicine coming to you, Um Just know that you're not alone and connect to your medicines. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: That's what I would share with you all.
3: And I'll say, um, I remember another skill that I had learned uh, during one of the times that I had met with Priscilla. And it's something I still practice. And I'll offer this to our listeners as well. Uh, That feeling of being alone. Even if you do have other people around you, you know, it can still be quite isolating and uh, I remember the recommendation you had given me. You had given me two and so I'm going to share recommendations that Priscilla had given me and they were life-changing and one of them was breathing, deep breathing, but one of the things that Priscilla had recommended was when you're going to sleep at night and if you're having a hard time going to bed, she said I want you to breathe yourself in, breathe you in, so imagine all of your goodness yeah. And actually say it out loud, say, I am breathing Amber in. And then whatever you wanted to breathe out, whether that was a person, a memory, um, something that wasn't helpful for you, she'd say, push that out. And so I practiced that still to this day. I actually did it a couple of nights ago. <laughs> I was breathing Amber in and I was breathing something else out. The other practice that Priscilla had recommended at that time was go and sit outside. and at that time uh, it was it was uh, late when or, sorry late uh, summer, so there were still leaves on the trees. But she said, Go sit outside and she said, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to listen to the leaves rustling against one another. She said, I want you to pay really close attention and really listen to those leaves' And the more I practiced it, it was tough at first because I was so distracted. Mm -hmm. And I would hear a car driving, I would hear kids playing, I'd hear my own thoughts. And it took it took a while, but it worked. And so I would go sit outside and I would just sit there and close my eyes and do that deep breathing. And I would listen to the leaves. And so I offer that to our listeners as well. Is that even in those moments where again it can feel quite isolating. Whatever loss it is that you may be experiencing, that uh, that those are two very simple
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, practices that don't require money, mm-hmm.
1: that don't require
3: a fee. Yeah. <laughs> that those are practices that are that exist again. That medicine within ourselves, um, really harnessing our medicine, and also the medicine of the trees. Yes. And so I want to thank you for that, Priscilla, because those are still practices I use today.
1: Hmm. thank you for sharing that i'm glad you did because yeah i do that every day too like when i'm feeling heavy i'll just breathe in something really good and then mm-hmm. breathe out that heaviness and do that so yeah. thank you for for reminding me of that and sharing that yes it's so important share it and for our listeners you know we offer that to you for mm-hmm. your own your own healing right and it's so healing and it's our healing is out there
2: Two Krees in
3: a pod Two crees in a pod Two Krees in a pot. Two crees in a pod Natani means. Yeah. Let's go. They push us to this point, frustrations of a common man Manifest the destiny, preach and pledge the promised land I'm stuck between taking my journey, live with no honor Like what's the use of my kids, can't taste clean water A child born into a world, revolution's not a choice Fighting to be heard so we make them hear our voice Remember ancestors, anguish lightning in our veins Hear it in the language when they are kitchen for the rain I am product of people that persevere persecution Paint me so creator sees me if I go out shooting Experience our pain when our women disappear daily Anxious to be angry, pacifists might hate me Trolls on the internet constantly trying to bait me We move in silence, cover of the night Learning from the woods, in the forest Tracking enemies in the woods Reincarnations of warriors, riding for salvation Or are we false prophets when we submit to temptations? Colonization is a hell of a drug We all seem to go crazy when we fall in love I said, colonization is a hell of a drug We all seem to go crazy when we fall in love I said,
0: Two Crees in a pod.